The following opinions expressed within the content are solely the speakers and do not reflect the opinions and beliefs of Child Free Media Limited or its affiliates. All right, V, so let's get right into self-care from a child-free perspective um, and how it plays a significant part in mental health. So is there something you want to uh, kick off the conversation specifically with on how you have incorporated self-care into your mental health and wellness, keeping in mind that we all have different points of view of what self-care is. So you can be as specific as you want, as vague as you want, but you know, knowing you, we'll be specific. <laughs> yeah, I'm big on specificity. So um, for me, I was going through a bit of a mental health crisis a little bit earlier this year. There was a lot going on and it was hard for me to just do basic self-care. And I think a lot of people don't talk about that, especially depending upon what you're going through, because you're already having to deal with whatever is stressing you out or causing you this issue. Mm -hmm. Then on top of that, you were expected to take care of yourself on a regular basis. And it can be hard because some days you don't want to get out of bed. You don't want to go outside. You don't want to talk to anybody. And then I got to brush my teeth. I got to shower on top of it. So Some we're talking it, like basic self-care. Because I was going to say, what, yeah. what do you mean by basic? Because I think everybody has a different understanding of what basic would even mean. So it's just standard hygiene almost, it sounds like. Yeah, just getting out of bed, mm -hmm. brushing your teeth, doing your facial skincare routine, showering, changing clothes, washing clothes. Mm. That can feel like a mountain of stuff to do when you are trying to get a hold on your mental health. Yeah. The worse it is, sometimes the more the self-care goes by the wayside. And it was that way for me. It was hard most days just to brush my teeth and do just routine. Anything mm -hmm. outside of that, usually it's like, I'm good. And some days I would just have to compartmentalize it. Some days, if I wasn't feeling up to anything, I would say, well, at least let me brush my teeth. If yeah. I have enough mental fortitude, I'll go ahead and take a shower too. And so it's a big deal. Like I said, a lot of people don't discuss it because they feel embarrassed about it. Mm -hmm. It's like, nobody knows that I haven't showered for three days. And I've heard people talk about it. You know, I haven't showered for a week. You know, I, I just can't get out of bed. I just can't do anything. So it's a, it's like I said, it's a big deal. And it can be hard to take care of yourself and your mental health. Now, of course, with meds and therapy, that kind of brings you around. Mm -hmm. And so as my mental health improved, obviously so did my, uh, you know, self-care. And I'm in a very good place now. And I'm doing basic plus beyond self-care. I'm feeling more back to myself. Yeah. But as I said, people don't talk about it because there's embarrassment and shame around, mm -hmm. around not even being able to do 
just the basic stuff, let alone going to get your nails done or something like that. Yeah. So let's talk about that, you know, those, those moments for a second when you do, you know, at least push yourself to, to do the basics and even how from a child-free perspective that you're right, it doesn't get talked enough about because there is that assumption from the, you know, outside of the community that, oh, well, what are your problems? <laughs> you know, you have all the time to do self-care. You have all the time to do the basics, Right. But in reality, when we go through those moments and, and also too, I've often found like when I've had, when I've been low, I am very grateful that I, for my child free choice, because sometimes even before we get to the point of like propelling yourself forward, just giving your space to maybe not do anything. Maybe let's start with that or talk about that for a second. Like when it is just you, and I mean, even if you are partnered, but when it's, you're not caring for a little person or a little kid, or you're not, you're not caring for a little infant or whatever, you can give yourself space to not do anything if you really feel like you can't do anything. Do you think that's important, for one, just to give yourself space to kind of be there? I mean, not forever, but mm -hmm. for a time. What do that you think is about that? super, that's super important. It is different being child-free versus being parented and going through a mental health crisis or even parented and partnered because I've learned partners may not give you that space, especially if you're the main caretaker. Right. They may not give you the space to fall apart mm -hmm. because they're depending on you to take care of them and yourself. And if you have a child, also the child and the household and everything else. Yeah. So a lot of partners will not give you that space. So just being by myself and having that moment to fall apart helped so much. Just mm -hmm. again, I was at a very low point, but at least I was allowed to go through it and by myself and not have to worry about when are you making dinner? Oh, right. the kid's diaper needs changing. The kids need to go to soccer. What are you doing for me? I want to have sex. Can you do something? Yes. It is so important to be able to have that moment by yourself and realize what you need to do to get through the next moment. Mm -hmm. And when going through that, my thing was just taking moment to moment. Like some moments I'd be fine. Other moments I'd be low. And that was just throughout the course of a 24-hour period. Hmm. And yeah. so I'm so grateful that I was able to just fall apart, have a crisis, whatever, by myself, and not have it feel like it was performative because yeah. other people were in my space. Yeah. Because I've done that, too. I was in an Airbnb, and I was still kind of going through my moment. This was, like, back in May. Mm -hmm. And so whatever self-care I did, I felt it was performative because other people were in there and I just couldn't not do anything. Yeah. Even though I didn't have to interact with people because they were other guests, mm -hmm. but there's the host and then there are other people and you're going to eventually come in contact with these people. I did stay in my role more than most of the time. Yeah. But as I said, my self-care at that point felt very performative. Like, oh, I better do this. I better do that because there are people here. Mm -hmm. but given the space to just not be strong 
which that's another whole conversation. Oh my gosh, that that is a whole another day conversation because I mean I've heard Ooh. you say plenty of times that, that resonates with me is like when you are perceived as strong because we are strong, but that does not mean we are strong 24/7 nor should we be, but when it's almost expected that's the worst. <laughs> that's that is. And you know? again, that goes with having a partner or a child and just being a black woman specifically. Mm -hmm. I don't know how it is with other women of color, but black women are definitely perceived as strong and you can get through it and figure it out and all of that. Yeah. And it's more to it. It's so much more to it than that. So I'm grateful I had that space by myself just to do what I needed to do to get through the mental health crisis. And now I'm at a, I'm at, I'm so much at a better place now. Mm -hmm. I really am. Like a few months ago, I was real bad off. Yeah. Mentally and health and self-care wise, it was bad. And I know that. Complete polar opposite right now. Yeah. And so it took a it took a lot to get to this point. Yeah. So and let's, sometimes let's people take it for granted. Yeah, for sure. I mean, so let's talk about um, so we'll talk about we've talked about rock bottom. And then still in the, in the mental health, um, keeping still keeping mental health in mind, what kind of got you up slowly by little by little? Like what, what would you say that you did specifically? Let's say, okay, you're able to do the basics. What kind of got you to that point doing the basics? And then what did you do after you felt you could do the basic? What came next? And then how did that play a part into, you know, feeling, I'm not going to say stronger, but you could you know, you, you, you've, there is more hope, I guess, lack of a better term. No, I completely understand what you mean. Um, so I think when I look back on it, as I said, it may have been a little performative because my friend stayed, my former friend stayed with me for a little bit. Mm -hmm. So it felt performative again, like, okay, my friend is here. Yeah. I gotta... But is maybe that a good thing in a, ah. in a weird way? Like, you know, fake it till you make it? Would yeah. You, would that... Okay. Because yeah. it can't be... Like, sometimes you have to do that. <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. if there's somebody else present. Yeah. So... I mean, you want it to be genuine at some point, but maybe there is a silver lining with having to be performative for a, a time anyway. So I think that's kind of what I'm going to just say maybe things started to change when my dad died and I had to go to Indiana and plan his funeral. Mm -hmm. I had to get out of my head. Right. I almost didn't make it to the airport, but I said, I got to go. Okay. And I think at that point, things started spiraling upward because I had a mission that was greater than myself. Right. I, I have to take a shower. I have to bathe. I have to be presentable to get to the airport mm -hmm. and be at the airport and stand in line and be on the plane. If I'm not okay or together on the plane, they're going to kick me off. Right. So I think that's when it started. Okay. And then I had to stay at somebody else's house for a couple of nights. Definitely have to at least pretend or whatever. Like I had a semblance of self-care. Like, mm -hmm. my mental health was somewhat together in somebody else's house. Right. And then I think that's when it started to spiral upward. Then I came back to my place, and my friend, my former friend, stayed with me. 
And so I had to scrub the tub and keep the bathroom clean. And that's, you know, and I just started to have to do the basics again. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's when things kind of started going a little bit better, a little bit better, moment by moment, moment by moment. And then I moved out of my place and things ramped up and I was in the Airbnb and that was another situation. So these situations that led me and propelled me to where I am today, which is now living in Maryland. Mm-hmm. Um, and on the other side of it now, um, which is even washing hair is basic, but maintaining it and continuing the routine, that's beyond. Yeah. So beyond is that is doing that, you mm-hmm. know, eventually going to get my hair done because it's in my natural it's in my natural state right now. Mine too. <laughs> You were born with baby blue hair? Wow. I love it. (laughs) Great, Um, great, great grandparents somewhere down the line. (laughs) Oh, yeah, definitely. So (laughs) it it started with the hair maintenance, getting wax, going to get uh, a manicure and pedicure, Mm -hmm. wearing perfume, buying clothes, you know, just taking more stock in my appearance too. So that's beyond the basics. And that's where I am now. Okay. So it took quite a few events and months to get back to this place and working out too. I've started that again. I've been doing that for the past three weeks or so. So, I mean, even, and there's, there's a lot that we're going to get into, um, Mm -hmm. you know, later in the conversation, but, you know, just recognizing that we we get to choose whether we take care of ourselves or not. But even just listening to, you know, what you've shared, it's like, this is why you do self-care is important because you could easily stay. I'm not going to say that you want to, but you could stay in that low space, mm-hmm. you know? And then, yeah, sometimes life makes you take action <laughs> where it's just to like, get up. Okay. I have something to deal with. And, and this is where, some people with kids, or this is where, let me put it this way, this is where pronatalism likes to throw out, well, if you had a child, you would have something beyond yourself that would keep you going. Because we hear that, you know, from time to time, people go, well, you know, it was my kid, it's my kids that give me purpose. Well, mm-hmm. look, when you know that you don't want to be a parent, we're not going to throw children into the mix to give us a purpose. Life kind of pushes you <laughs> where you need to go sometimes. Yeah. And you still get to decide whether or not you're going to you know, step up and, and do something about it. But, um, you know, I think because, and, and why, really why we're having this conversation is because people tend to look at, at child-free people and think, well, you guys, all you do is spend time on yourself. It's it's selfish. You're just putting your needs first. But anyone who's going through a low time, whether you have kids or not, you the way to cope is to make yourself feel better somehow. Right? Yeah, definitely. And everyone's going to make that decision to do it at some point, even if it's just brushing your teeth. Which is not just, that's a big deal, you know? So, yeah. you know, I, I think it's like it's important to highlight, like, this is, again, even if people with kids are listening or watching this, it's like, do something for yourself if you need to, because it will move you forward. It will push you through. It's not just for when things are going great and you want to get a manicure. It's like for when you, it feels so bleak, you just don't know what to do, but yeah. you want to do something. And I think, so, so what do you think about like when, when, 
when we are in, and I'm not speaking to you specifically, but when we are in a very low kind of desperate state, um, oh damn, my question just left. I hate it when that happens. I had the question right there. Just trying to set it up. <laughs> uh, it's called editing. Um, oh, it was about choosing yourself first. Anyone like just, it's important to choose yourself first. Um, yeah. I don't remember where I was, what I was going to ask. It was, it was something along that line, but I don't remember how I was going to word it. Anyway, do you mind under this segment, we talk about work for a second? Yeah, definitely. Like working. So during that, that time before you got to Maryland, you were working or you were career wise, you were going through, a, a, um, you were going through a change or how, how, what was that like for you? I was going through a major transition. So I started a job last August. It turned out to be a phone job. Okay. I don't do well with answering phones and customer service. So I kept my options open, kept submitting resumes. And interestingly enough, I finally got an offer for a job working from home. And I would be doing the actual same exact job except I wouldn't have to answer phones. Mm. And so I would also be getting paid more. It would be, it was a, going to be a temporary job. So for about six months, but of course the caveat is that if they liked you enough, they would hire you on. And so I accepted the job offer and I gave my two week notice. And there was a little bit of time before the new job started. So the new job started. They finally sent my equipment. I was having a meeting with one of the supervisors or the supervisor. I dozed off and I think that kind of, because we were just sitting for a time. We were just sitting. Oh, how, and, how, okay. How is that like relevant to someone like working? I don't get it. Why would they just make you do that? They weren't, I don't know if it was, I think it was because I didn't have my equipment. So the, the oh. manager, the supervisor wanted to meet with me. Okay. But interestingly right. enough, my equipment came later that day, but she still wanted to show face. Okay. So I joined the Zoom meeting or whatever it was, and we're just sitting there and I was going over some type of policies and procedures, standard of policies is what they call them, SOPs. And I was just sitting there and reading and reading and I just got sleepy. The supervisor didn't like that. Mm. And I've been told a lot of people wouldn't like that. And so I thought, okay. And so the supervisor, she just brought it to my attention and she said, you know, do what you have to do to just monitor your sleep habits so that won't happen again. It was just that one time and, mm -hmm. you know, it didn't happen again. Yeah. It didn't happen again because the next day <laughs> I started training. And I guess they decided or she decided that they didn't want to continue. Okay. And so while I was training, I saw the trainer's screen and I saw the email pop up that said, we don't think she's going to work out. <laughs> and I'm not Zoom for you. Okay. Oh my God. Or I think it was Microsoft Teams, but like I said, the trainer was sharing her screen and she didn't realize that I saw this yeah. pop up and she okay. didn't mention it and I didn't mention it. Okay. And so I'm thinking, this is not good. Okay. And the agency called and said, we don't know if it's going to work out. Let me just see if I can talk to the supervisor and yeah. see what's going on. 
And eventually the agency called back and said, sorry, they don't want you to continue. Okay, I'm going to stop you there. We'll pause there for a second because, I mean, I I can think of not that exact scenario, but moments where I was like, okay, well, this is obviously not working. So let's talk about what we do in those moments, bringing self-care into that. So something that seemed promising doesn't work out. It's unexpected. And you're like, shit. Okay. So what do we do? How do we get through those? Because these these are like the tiny things that they're actually kind of a big deal. But, you know, this is like, I think in my 20s, I would have just gone into, I did go into a crisis for something like this. Where I'm like, I have no idea what to do. I was like banking my entire future on this thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen. How do we get through that moment in a way where we feel okay? Or maybe okay is not even the right way of putting it, but... What do you do? Ooh, well. After um, you take a long nap, because that's the first thing I do is I nap, because I don't know what to do, and then I go, okay. I don't don't think I napped. I think I was in a state of shock. Like, Mm. it didn't even last a day and a half. You didn't even give, they didn't even give me a chance or the wherewithal. And because it was rather unprofessional what happened, I figured maybe it's for the best. Mm Mm-hmm. Because things just, it was just odd how everything happened. Yeah. Uh, so maybe it wasn't for the best anyway. So again, I was kind of in shock. I kind of, I had to just pivot and figure out, well, what am I going to do now? I'm unemployed. I don't like to be unemployed. So there's a little yeah. panic. There's a little shock. Um, I think I just did kind of chill out for the rest of the day because it was just, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. especially when the agency was saying, oh, you're not fired. Everything's going to be okay. And then all of a sudden, oh, well, they decided not to continue. Oh. But you were just telling me everything would be okay. I specifically mm-hmm. remember telling or well, asking the agent, well, is everything okay? Are they going to fire me? You know, I'm, I'm worried here. And plus what happened was really unprofessional. And she said, yeah. oh, don't, don't worry about it. Let me talk to them and everything will be okay. So, you know, after I got the news that everything would not be okay, as I said, I was in shock. I had to deal with the feelings and I had to figure out my next move. Yeah. So when you said you just chilled, like, do you just do nothing? We have a thunderstorm. I don't know if you can hear that. But um, what what do you do? Because for me, I want to figure everything out, which is the opposite of chilling, which I should, I keep telling myself, don't. Make any rash moves when you're in a panic. Mm-hmm. Never do that. I do it sometimes anyway. But what is what does that mean for you? Like, what do you do? So for me, I'm just not... I'm doing my best not to think about what happened. Okay. I'm taking time out. Just whatever that means. Whether it means vegging out completely. Mm-hmm. Trying to put it out of my mind. Watching videos. Something funny getting something good to eat, maybe talking to a friend about it. I did talk to everybody about it. Yeah. And they were like, you know, what happened? Yeah. You know, verbalizing it. Um, you know, I just took time away from that moment to decompress. I had mm. to decompress from what happened because I was in shock. And again, I had to figure out my next move. So I needed time away from that. And even just to go into super action mode like you said you usually do like okay i gotta find another job i gotta find another job 
Yeah. It's like, let me take a day or two, then I'll get back on it because it, it, it's a lot. It's space. I mean, really what yeah. it comes down to is like, you know, when you need personal space from somebody, if you've had an argument or whatever, it's like, for me, I'm like, give me all this space. We'll figure it out. But I, I've, you know, I, I personally, it's, I struggle with giving space around the situation because when that happens or something significant, like, you know, maybe not the exact same scenario, but when something happens where I immediately go into fight mode. How can I fix this? What can I do? Mm -hmm. My imagination is just going completely wild. Nothing feels right, but I want to come up with a solution so I could sleep. The hardest thing for me is to step back and give it space because you either look at it, you can reframe what happened. You can, as I get older, it's easier to kind of see the silver lining faster. Not all the time, but you know, um, you know, after surgery, once the medication wears off, you go, okay, I see there's a birth. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, this hurts. <laughs> you know, but but just stepping back for a second, like you said, it would take a day to just, you know, decompress, whatever. And I think, you know, I, I, I it, again, having never been a parent, but just realizing how much space we do have emotionally, maybe not even physically, but just emotionally, to t deal with something like this when it's unexpected and you know not an ideal outcome and then just being able to go wait let me think about this for a second nobody needs me okay <laughs> and, I, and i think that needs to be i'm gonna say celebrated almost mm -hmm. you know because look i mean and we're gonna get into this in in the next section but when things really hit the fan and you go through some really, really tough times, I, what I'm so grateful for being a child-free person is the emotional space because there's already a lot going on <laughs> up here. There's, there's, there's things I want to accomplish, but just even getting daily life through daily life and when going through a low moment and not knowing what to do next, which is the worst feeling for me. If I can't see a plan, if I don't have one, I, it's just the worst. And that's when I need space. And I'm so glad that I have it. And as I get older, I appreciate that even more. Like in my 20s, I I, I really took it for granted. I was just in, I felt like a constant state of panic. <laughs> you know, if I if I didn't know what to do next, I'd, I'd, I'd figure it out. But just, just throwing too many things at the wall, hoping something would stick. Um, so, you know, it, it's good to acknowledge that we do get to have that emotional space. We can, or, or, or make an effort to have it, I should say, you know? Um, yeah, it's I so important to be able to just breathe and yeah. not have other stuff coming at you. I can only mm -hmm. imagine if I were still married or partnered or had a children or had a child and all of that, I don't know how I would have handled it. I may have yeah. imploded, and some people do implode. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because you know? they don't have of... that time, that space to just woosah. Right. Well, and even thinking about our personalities and how we handle things, like I'm sure that we would we would figure it out, but there would be a massive sacrifice. And I think I'm just going to speculate the sacrifice would be on us personally, because that's mm -hmm. as females in the mother role, which is why I was adamant. Like, I don't want that experience because I felt that's what I would have to go through life that way. I would have to go through life putting my feelings and 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 kind of suffocating myself. And I'm just gonna speak just for my for me because I need I need a lot of 
I need to express myself and I need to just get it all out because the minute I internalize stuff, ooh, things go wrong. <laughs> things yeah. go really wrong. And and I and I I've been there and I don't want to, you know, took a long time to work through that. So, you mm -hmm. know, it's just um it's nice to at least be able to acknowledge that we have space. Yes. To work through what we need to. And I and I and again, that's something that I really want to highlight in these conversations is like honor yourself <laughs> you yes. know and for anyone that feels like child-free people don't have problems or that we're <laughs> selfish for not you know and, and this is not maybe not necessarily the reasons why we don't have kids but it's a benefit of you know and it's not to say that no, like people with kids can't do self-care but let's be real how much emotional energy or space do you have to work through some really dark stuff that we have to go through in life. Especially if you, you know? have to care for a kid. Yeah. Because they're taking up your time and energy. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, I just need 10 minutes to myself. The baby's crying. Or the kids yeah. are hungry. Yeah. Especially if you are raising yeah. or parenting by yourself. That's mm -hmm. a whole other thing as well. Yeah. And also, too, you know, and just to, to wrap up this section, but I was thinking about how... You know, what what distractions, like, I was thinking about how people use things as a distraction. Look, distractions are great. It's nice to have a distraction from time to time. But sure. when we go through something really, really heavy, and, you know, it's, I mean, again, coping mechanisms, but, like, I, I've, I have had a history of burying things. I had a career to distract me, or I've had ambition to distract me, or a a person, sex to distract me, let's put it that way. Things like that where, you know, you're like, all right, I'm busy, I'm good, this is making me feel good, I'll go that direction without tackling what's going on underneath. That resurfaces, and then it's back to square one again. So, you know, because I, 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 again, will be blunt about this, I feel that having kids is a distraction. Not for everybody, but it, it's... I see it as a as a good acceptable excuse to not deal with things, which is why I always felt like personally, you know, I was the result of so much inherited family trauma that why would I pass it on? I'll just deal with it, live a good life <laughs> and die, <laughs> you know, and, and not pass it on any further. But that's how I kind of view kids because it's just been, okay, we have all these things to work through. There's no time to work through because now we have to have kids and then they have to have kids and then they have to have kids. And it's just like this massive chain of, well, now here's me. <laughs> you know, a, lot of people, a lot of people use babies and children as bandages. Yeah. That doesn't work. No. And I think, I, I don't feel bad saying that. Again, I'm not, I'm not going to, you don't want to be mean about it, but Again, part of why we want to have these conversations is just to put it out there. Yeah. Because, I mean, we're not the only two child-free people who think that way. <laughs> We've Definitely had enough conversations not. to know, like, like that's the thing. When you are when you have time to, to look at everything and your options and you go, wait, you know, there, there's, there's things we go through that are not fun to deal with, that are hard to deal with, and we'll always be dealing with, but... You know, I, I just, you know, just doing at least take, make the effort to look at it and say, okay, what can we do and how can we move forward with things? Because, you know, I mean, you're, you're, you're in a good place now too. So, you yeah, know, it definitely. is possible and it's just important to even just 
you know, go, go through the basics, just however you get there, you know, um, but also let ourselves fall apart from time to time too. It's so important to be able to be in a space to allow ourselves to fall apart mm -hmm. where we can just lean into the feelings, get through it, acknowledge it, and then move on. Because if we don't have that space, like you said, it will resurface in one way or yeah. another. I like how you said lean into it. I, that That's only like the last few years I've really started to understand or, or, or and even admit that it's okay. Because those feelings suck. They do. You know, and they do make you, you feel bad. They do. Yeah. And you're like sitting on your floor and you're like, or I'm sitting on my floor with my back against the wall and like spare bedroom going, okay, <laughs> I hate being here. Like not in the house, but I hate being in this space. In this space. Yeah. There's nothing I know now. There's nothing I can do that is going to fix it unless I lean into it and acknowledge it is here. And I, I remember going through that just before the pandemic. Well, the pandemic existed, but it hadn't quite nobody knew what was happening. It was like, it's almost like I, I mean, there was other things I was going through at the time. So it wasn't the pandemic, but it was like, I felt that sheer panic and I, I've never had anxiety, like anxiety I don't suffer from. I've had, I've been anxious before, but I never had an anxiety attack before. Mm -hmm. I remember going through that and it, it hurt. And I, I recognized that that's what was happening. And I remember thinking, I don't want to be here. I don't want to experience this. I I need a plan. I, and I couldn't. So, you know, that was that was hard. And that that was hard to go through. And I appreciate it now because it it gave me some more tools to use. But it really it sucks. It hurts. And it's just like the worst feeling. And so, you know, just to be able to sit and go, you know what? This is happening. And then at the end, I'm like, all right, I'm still alive. <laughs> now what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, now what? You got to go through it to get through it mm -hmm. and not stuff it down. Because I tried yeah. to stuff it down, too. And it, that only resulted in me gaining more weight and now having to completely revamp all the hard work that I had done previously. Right. So stuffing it down really doesn't work either. Yeah, Those distractions are very temporary and people think, well, if I keep doing it, then I'll feel good and I'll feel good. Eventually you're going to hit the wall Yeah, and you're going to come to that. Well, now what do I do moment? Mm -hmm. We hope you enjoyed this episode presented by Child Free Media Limited. To stay current with child-free content like this, please visit childfreemedia.com and subscribe to the newsletter.